about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed." and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Good evening, friends. Great to be with you. If you're online, welcome. If you're in the building, welcome. It's great to be with you looking at the Gospel of Luke. That's what we're doing through January. It's the beginning of the biography of Jesus' life according to Luke. And it's a wonderful book, and we're going to continue on from the nativity scene on through the rest of Luke uh, through different parts of this year. Now, I don't know how you're going with your New Year's resolutions and things like this. Here's a funny cartoon from The New Yorker. Which doomed New Year's resolution are you? Uh, The options are exercise more, learn Mandarin, spend less time on social media, actually meditate, finish my screenplay. If anyone's doing a screenplay, let's talk about that later. That sounds really interesting. But it's uh, obviously a very fascinating thing in our culture to even have the topic of New Year's resolutions every single year. There's something deeply ingrained in us spiritually as a culture that says when we start a new year, we are to start with our own resolve. 
Start with the stuff we have inside of us, some fresh stuff that can start this year and get a new thing done. It's a really interesting thing we do because it never really works. We are so inconsistent and flippant and our resolve is so wavering. And yet we do it every year. It's really interesting. I think there's better options for us. We don't have to start the year with ourselves, with what resolve we have, with what's inside us. We can said start our year by looking about what is in Jesus. We can start with him rather than with ourselves. And perhaps there is better power and more strength to live a better life by starting with him than we could ever find in ourselves. So as we get to this new passage, which is still Jesus is still a baby, I've got four things about starting with him this year rather than starting with yourself and your own resolve. All of these, this whole passage uh, takes place a little while after Jesus is born, probably about a month or so. And he's still a little baby. And they come to the great temple in Jerusalem. And they do a series of things. And so this is what happens around the time when Jesus is brought into the temple at the heart of the Jewish faith. Four things for you today. The first is this. He was presented in the temple, in our flesh, your flesh that you you have on your arms tonight, to present us pure. He was presented in our flesh that we might be presented pure to God. Here's what it says. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. He's taken into the temple and presented. Every firstborn was to be consecrated to the Lord. That was a Jewish custom from the Exodus, another story for another time. Luke starts quickly, and he's actually reciting three different Jewish rites that Mary and Joseph go through in quick succession. He kind of jams them together, but I'll just slow them down for you. Here they are in purple. Jesus gets circumcised on the eighth day. You know, good Anglicans baptize their kids on the eighth day. Still, I think. I didn't do mine, so there you go. Purification rites, which is actually for Mary. Because it was considered that after you gave birth to a child, you were unclean for about 33 days. And then at the end of those 33 days, you would come into the temple and offer a sacrifice and therefore become clean again. So she comes for her purification rites. She offers a pair of doves or a pair of pigeons. And they come to present Jesus to the Lord. So there's lots of things. They're multitasking, people. They're multitasking in the temple, getting it all done at the same time. Now, why are we hearing all this? These are, these are strange details. And Luke even kind of repeats it at the end in verse 39 about how they've done everything required by the law of the Lord. They're, they're, they're following the law to the letter of what a Jewish person should do. And it's interesting. What does it all mean? Well, on the one hand, I like how this just makes it all a little bit more gritty and real. You know, Mary actually gave birth to a real baby with all of the things that follow in a woman's body from that and the time of healing that follows it. You know, Jesus could be circumcised because he had male anatomy, because he was actually a real baby boy in an actual time and space presented in the temple. 
You know, Jesus, he bore our flesh. He took on our flesh, your flesh, my flesh. He came in fragility to the temple where he was already Lord and King. He is presented in it as a tiny little baby. He is like you, friend. Start this year remembering that he became weak as you are. He understands it. He understands what it's like to walk in the world as a little baby, as a little child, as a grown man. So you can approach him and understand that he will actually get it, no matter where you've been in the last year. But there's something else happening here as well, because Luke emphasizes the the consecration and the offering of a sacrifice on Mary's behalf. As Jesus is presented on the one hand, a sacrifice is presented on the other. And I think what we're supposed to see here is that actually this is a foreshadowing of Jesus' own life. That he is going to be presented as an offering. That he is the one that can make everyone who is unclean clean. That he is the one who can consecrate all people. Becky prayed in before a prayer from the prayer book. Uh, meant for the day when you read this passage in church. And I think it says it really well. Almighty and ever-living God, clothed in majesty, whose beloved Son was this day presented in the temple, in substance of our flesh, grant that we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts. Here's a truth to start your year with. Jesus Christ was presented like a little baby in the temple, in your flesh, so that he could present you pure before God and clean. That's why he's there. That's why it's foreshadowing. You don't have to start the year remembering how weak and how much you failed last year. Start the year remembering that because he came into the world, he has made you pure and clean by offering himself on the cross. He was presented in the temple to present you pure before God. But there's more for us here. Because the reality that this passage also shows us that this same Jesus we see here and then growing through Luke is someone who by the power of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit within us, we can actually really see and experience and know even today that we can start our year in his presence, in real connection and encounter with him. This is where we get to the two really interesting characters in this story, Simeon and Anna. And they are fantastic characters because they're pretty much just nobodies. A widow, and literally it says, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. There was this guy around called Simeon. There's nothing important about him. He has no great title, no great lineage. He's just a guy. But we read about both of them that they're actually really faithful, great People. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation, the comfort of Israel. And there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. In fact, she only married seven years, then her husband died, and then she remained a widow her entire life to the age of 84, it says. And she never left the temple, which is probably an exaggeration. She probably had to go eat food and stuff. But worship night and day, fasting and praying. These are people who love God. 
This is the kind of person you aspire to be at the beginning of the year, like Anna and like Simeon, a nobody who loves God, right? But what's really interesting is there would have been so many people in the temple that day, you know, really uh, powerful political rulers of Israel, the, the, the priest, the high priest, all these great somebodies, and the Messiah came into the temple and they all missed it, every single one of them, except these two. How did they see it and everyone else missed it? Well, Luke tells us that it was the Holy Spirit. See how he's emphatic with it with Simeon? The Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Simeon is there because the Holy Spirit has told him to go there, has revealed it to him, and has come upon him. God's Spirit has enabled him to see what is happening, even though it is just a couple with a newborn baby, first-time parents, awkwardly walking into the temple for the first time. And the same is true of Anna. We don't get all the Holy Spirit bits, but she's called a prophet, and all prophets had the Holy Spirit on them to speak the Word of God. So both of these people, they don't just see a baby They see with the eyes of God that this baby is the baby. Because it is the Holy Spirit who enables us to really see and know and love and encounter Jesus. Calvin says this, The Spirit of God enlightened Simeon's eyes by faith to perceive under a mean and poor dress the glory of the Son of God. Luke, in the beginning of Acts, will talk about how the Holy Spirit is given to everyone after Jesus dies and rises again. And so all of us become like Anna and like Simeon. All of us have the Spirit on us. All of us can really see him, really know him, really encounter him, not just know the surface of him, but the depth of him. The Holy Spirit gives that to us. You get to start with Jesus this year, not just yourself, with him. But you might be thinking, well, I don't really feel connected to God at all at the moment. How would I know if the Holy Spirit's working in my life? Well, I think we often miss the very simple but beautiful things that the Holy Spirit does to help us. You know, when you were singing the hymns just earlier in the service, didn't any of the lines pop out to you? You know, as we sung about Jesus and what he's done, really sang to your heart, that was the Holy Spirit. As you walk through numerous Christmas carols and Christmas services and Christmas things over the last few weeks, did anything strike you about Jesus? The Holy Spirit gave that to you. Anytime you see anything, even just a slither, a glimpse, a moment of who Jesus is, God is working in your life. You see, I think we just miss it. And if we just paused and considered those moments and said, thank you, God. I want more. I want more of him. Not so much of me. More of him. Help me see more. Help me live connected with him this year. Help me see his depth and his beauty. Maybe we just did that noticeably. Our whole year would be different. Because you can really see him, experience him, know him by the power of God's Spirit. 
But what do you see when you see him? Well, what Simeon saw, what he says he saw when he saw Jesus, was he saw salvation. It's wonderful what he says. You know, Simeon's been told by the Holy Spirit that before he dies, he'll, he'll meet the Messiah. He'll meet Jesus as uh, God's king. And he's waiting his whole life. And this day he ends up in the temple and he ends up with this baby in his arms. This is the moment he has been waiting for. And he holds Jesus in his arms and says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Get that. My eyes have seen your king. He doesn't say that. My eyes have seen the person who I can now follow the example of. doesn't say that. Uh, I've seen the, the person who's going to do a great thing one day. doesn't say that. What is he saying? I have seen your salvation. Salvation is found in him. He is it. He is redemption and comfort and salvation. He is the one who can pull us out from under our addictions and our enslavement to our own vices. He is the one who saves us eternally. He is the one who cleanses us and comforts us in the midst of our failures and our inadequacies. To see him is to see salvation, to receive it. You know, as you start the year this year, what are you holding in your hands, as Simeon did? He's joyfully holding Jesus in his hands, knowing that this baby can save him. And I think all of us, particularly this time of year, are holding something in our hands, thinking, this is going to make my life better this year. This is going to be the thing that makes me feel comforted in the difficulty of this pandemic. This is the thing that is going to help me get through. This is the thing that's going to help me deal with all the failings I had last year. This is the thing that's going to fulfill and complete me this year. We don't call them saviors, but they kind of are. They're the functional things we depend on to get through. One of the best things you can do to start your year is to name that and to drop it out of your hands and joyfully take up Jesus instead. Because he's the only one that God has given to save you from your sin and your own death. He is, will give you enough comfort to get through. And he can really help you with the things you're wrestling with in your life. You don't need a functional second thing. You need him. But Simeon says it's something even bigger about this salvation. You see, it's in the next bit. He says, you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles. As in this thing that is happening in this child is not just for Jews. It's not just for some people. It's for every person. It's for every nation. It's for every time. It's for every age. It's for every land. It's for every language. It's for every place. Jesus is the savior of any person who calls upon him. This is one of those beautiful parts. I've really found this helpful for myself starting this year. Actually, oh, there's a bigger thing that God is doing in our world. He wants everyone to see and know and love 
and receive Jesus. The people in the furthest corners of this earth, someone needs to tell them. Some of us will end up working in, and living in different parts of the world to let them know. This is a reminder for us to lift up our gaze beyond our Australian fortress onto the bigger work of God. Because to see Jesus is to see the Savior of the whole world. And perhaps our world has become a little bit too small in this pandemic and we need to lift it up and to remember, how can I be part of this bigger thing that God is doing? see him is to see salvation. But there's one final thing here, and this is the bit, this is the bit where Simeon gets a bit more awkward and difficult. Because everything he's been saying sounds really wonderful. And Mary and Joseph, they, they marvel at what Simeon says, but then Simeon has this kind of side word to Mary. He says this, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And he'll be a sign that's spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. These are new parents, right? Brand new parents. And this is his word to them. This child is going to completely upend Jewish society. He's going to bring down the high and bring up the low. He will alter permanently the social order of things. He'll be a sign from God. Normally signs are really good, affirming positive things, very clear, like rainbows in the sky sort of stuff. That's from Noah. This, he'll be a sign that will be spoken against, decried, called blasphemy, called not of God. And a sword will pierce Mary's soul. Here's a mother being told about the brutal execution of her son that will happen. About the time she will watch her son die. And it will feel like she's being ripped apart. Because Jesus' destiny was not simple. The way he brings about salvation was confusing. It was difficult to swallow. It felt contradictory to die on a cross, to offer himself as a sacrifice in the temple for the sake of the world. It was confusing and difficult to handle. And I think what Simeon's saying to Mary is that, you know what, you are going to struggle to understand it too. It's going to tear you up and rip you open and pierce your very inner soul. And not just her, but everyone. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You know, Jesus coming into the world and doing this radical act of salvation, he is a great confusing riddle of a figure. And as he walks through the world, all these people's motives are exposed. Their hearts are laid bare. Soren Kierkegaard said that Jesus Christ is a riddle. It's when you guess at what he is, it actually reveals who you are. 
You see, when we grapple with Jesus and we struggle to understand him, often what happens is our hearts are revealed. When we struggle with his decrying of wealth, of the ultra-wealthy, and we feel uncomfortable, our hearts are revealed. When he calls us to a lowly, humble path and we feel ourselves bucking up in pride, our hearts are revealed. When he calls us to a new life of prayer and we struggle to depend on God, our hearts are revealed. When he says, take up your cross and come follow, and we say, well, that sounds a bit icky, I don't think I can come, our hearts are revealed. See, when you see and encounter Jesus, it's like a sword starts piercing your soul and, and revealing and unveiling it. But friends, I think there is no better thing to start your year with than to, let, to, to ask Jesus to uncover your heart, to pierce your soul, to let him do the work of pointing out to us what is lurking under here that we actually have to deal with. And to come to him who has our flesh, he gets it, and has offered himself to make us pure on through his own blood, we can confidently come and say, just uncover my heart. Reveal what's in here. Show me what's happening. And make me clean. Friend, do not start this year with yourself. Start with him. Ask him to start a new work in you. Ask him to show him himself more, show you more of himself. Ask him for the salvation he has. Let me pray. Father, we do come tonight laying ourselves aside that we might instead have more of our Lord Jesus. We pray that he would uncover the uncomfortable things that are inside us in the light of his beauty that we might joyfully receive him as the comfort and redemption and salvation we need to walk through this year. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.